what I found challenging is that before my skill set and my passion were recognized, the fact that I was quote unquote different from the norm in the sector spoke for me. Mm -hmm. And so that was very challenging. Mm -hmm. Reconciling who others saw me to be before they really had a chance to know my work, know my work ethic, know what drives me internally and within my career pushing back against that. And really, I have felt that throughout my career in technology, my goal has been to disrupt the status quo in relation to what it means to be a technologist. Welcome back to another episode of This Green Planet. I'm your host, Penny Bowder, a seven-figure business leader, environmental scientist, serial entrepreneur, author, and business coach. Here, I am sharing support and guidance to women who are starting and running a sustainable or STEM-related business. This podcast is bound to inspire you to launch your business or scale for growth. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to This Green Planet. Today, I have a special guest on the show. As part of my series on women leaders in tech and STEM, I had the pleasure of interviewing Sydney Maddox-Prescott, who works at Spotify. You've probably heard of Spotify. It's a digital music, podcast, and video service that gives you access to millions of songs and other content from creators all over the world. Sydney recently joined Spotify to create and manage the company's global intelligent automation program. This program encompasses something called RPA, which stands for Robotic Process Automation. It also encompasses machine learning and artificial intelligence, which is so cool. Prior to this, she led intelligent process automation for a leading global investment firm. She's based in New York, and Sydney is an active champion of women in tech, and she currently has the East Coast chapter of Women in Tech. So we have lots of cool things to talk to Sydney about today. So please welcome Sydney. Welcome, Sydney. I'm so glad to have you on the show today, especially because my 12-year-old daughter adores Spotify, and she has this amazing playlist that I'm trying to figure out how to um, access on my own phone. I think Spotify is neat in that, like it just allows you to kind of expand all of your music selections. I'd love to hear from you, Sydney, just a little bit about Spotify and what your job at the company entails. I head up our Intelligent Automation Center of Excellence. And specifically, what the mission of the Center of Excellence is to really provide efficiencies throughout Spotify in terms of the way that we walk through or optimize our business processes. So this is agnostic of different business units, everyone from internal audit to our ad operations or business operations team. And my team specifically, we leverage very innovative technologies such as robotic process automation. We leverage machine learning models. We're starting to dive into artificial intelligence. All of those tools help us to really facilitate the accelerated growth of Spotify business processes. Mm -hmm. What we are truly looking at is how can we streamline what we do as Spotifyers in terms of supporting the business functions on a global scale. We take a look at all of the existing business processes Mm -hmm. and we focus on any areas of improvement from an automation perspective. And then we use that intelligent automation tool stack that I mentioned earlier in order to facilitate those changes. And at the end of the day, we're really looking for 
a digital transformation of the way that Spotifyers mm-hmm. work. I'm so interested in learning a bit more about this idea of how you would incorporate artificial intelligence and machine learning and the robotic process automation. And again, like I read this to my 12-year-old daughter and she just lit up. This idea of women in tech is just something that I think we need more of. And part of that is, you know, how do we reach out to young girls and how do we encourage young girls to get involved in these fields? But that said, could you maybe walk me through a a simple way of how Spotify and how you and your team kind of would incorporate machine learning and artificial intelligence into your systems? Yes. We take a look at a specific process that today human users within Spotify uh, have the responsibility of executing. And we look at that end-to-end process. So the very beginning, what are the inputs to the process? What are any particular uh, business logic transformations that occur? And then we look at the output of that process and who are the consumers of the, the data outputs. And within that life cycle, what we are aiming to do is we're focusing on how can we find areas of improvement whereby we either have uh, challenges with maybe data quality, we may have challenges being able to cycle through a certain number of transactions within a certain time frame, or we may have challenges with moving those outputs in an efficient manner to a different team Mm. downstream so that they can then continue their work in terms of business process execution. As we walk through that process, number one, we start with What is the existing business process? Um, As I said, inputs, outputs, and transformations. The second piece is, are there areas in this process that we can improve upon through the use of automation? And specifically with our machine learning models, what we are looking for are ways that we can, in essence, optimize the process by teaching a machine certain aspects and variables of the process whereby we could basically remove humans from that process and potentially increase the data quality, potentially increase the the amount of transactions that we can actually process. For the machine learning models, we do a lot of work on documents. So Mm. documents that today are maybe PDF form, some Mm. other form that typically we would say a machine would not be able to read this format. Mm. We're able to basically take that PDF, process it through optical character recognition, and then we start to teach the machine the different variables it needs to look at and the different rules that it needs to abide Mm. by in order to produce the output. And so that's a very high level way of thinking of it. But in essence, it's taking data that is not machine readable, translating it into machine readable format, and then being able to execute a specific process or perform a specific task Uh based on that now machine readable output. And, And in many times we do take that data and we cycle it back into a robotic process automation workflow whereby maybe bots are now picking up that data and then moving it into a different system. Your job is something you're obviously passionate about. And so I definitely appreciate that. I'm wondering, like, did you always know that you wanted to work in tech? Can you maybe talk a little bit about your journey? I consider my journey to be very serendipitous because I did not initially plan to be in technology. 
I had this dream or passion to actually go into law as a kid. And so when I moved into, you know, kind of my high school years, college years, that was still my focus. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm going to go to law school one day. As fate would have it, in pursuit of that goal of attending law school, I decided to get an internship. And this was in my junior year of college. That internship was actually at a global payment solutions provider. Mm. And it was within the global software and infrastructure group. So it was a almost like a roundabout way of going into technology. But my internship was going to be reading software contracts and being able to see where the deltas are between what we had on hand from a licensing perspective versus what our true needs were. Being able to actually understand the legal ease, right, and things of that nature Mm -hmm. in preparation of one day going to law school. Uh I was in technology, but still focused on contractual obligations and true ups for software contracts. I fell in love with the pace and the methodology of being in a global technology firm. I remember being so excited because it was all so new to me, just in terms of understanding the nuances of corporate America, understanding the nuances of technology, which are their own individual facet. I recall going to my internship and returning home and thinking about the problems that we had tried to solve during the day in my off time. And so, and then also getting a lot of feedback from uh, my peers at the time who were predominantly male, been in the industry, you know, multiple decades, and they could see that I had a passion and they could see that I would do well in technology. I came to a point where I, in essence, had to make a decision. I initially wanted to go to law school. I initially took this internship as a way to better understand what it means to be in the legal field from a corporate standpoint. Mm. But now I'm seeing these incredible nuances and incredible opportunities within technology. What do I do? Do I stay the course and continue Mm -hmm. to law school or do I switch? I had a heart to heart with myself. I, I really thought about how passionate I was about technology, despite the fact that I was pretty much a newbie. I didn't, I had never held a position mm-hmm. in technology before. I decided that it was important to honor that passion. In honoring that passion, I knew that I could never go wrong by honoring that passion. That's when I made the decision to pivot and the rest is history. <laughs> That's living authentically, right? And like being true to yourself. And I feel like if we don't listen to that voice of intuition, I think maybe is even what was speaking to you. So once you pivoted and made that decision, like, were there any challenges or roadblocks along the way, kind of getting into this brand new thing, this tech? There were a lot of challenges. (laughs) Honestly, as we all know, there are a lot of challenges in terms of diversity, whether that's diversity of age, whether that's diversity of ethnicity, diversity of gender within technology. Mm. I think that I was in a bit of a protective bubble, I'll say, when I was in my internship versus once I moved into a full-time role where I began to spearhead a global data governance and quality program. Mm -hmm. At that point, I began to hit a lot of challenges, specifically in reference to 
the length of time that I have been in the technology sector, a lot of questions about my background, a lot of, I'll say, implicit bias that I face just being a woman, right. a woman of color in a predominantly Caucasian male dominated right. field. That for me was very challenging because as a woman, I have faced similar challenges just navigating through life. However, I think I may have had some rose-colored glasses on in terms of how I would be perceived in my role. And I genuinely felt that my passion and Mm -hmm. my skill set would speak for me. What I found challenging is that before my skill set and my passion were recognized, the fact that I was quote unquote, different from the norm in the sector spoke for me. Mm -hmm. And so that was very challenging, Mm -hmm. reconciling who others saw me to be before they really had a chance to know my work, know my work ethic, know what drives me internally and within my career, pushing back against that. And really, I have felt that throughout my career in technology, my goal has been to disrupt the status quo in relation to what it means to be a technologist. There's an inherent bias that is built into when we say someone is a technologist, we typically think of a guy, he's in a hoodie, he's (laughs) packing. In a basement. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's like the stereotypical movie hacker, right? But typically he is a guy and typically he is Caucasian. Right. It's funny to kind of compare it to movie and television, but that really does speak to kind of how we see individuals who move in this space. We see that as the default, like that kind of cartoon character Mm -hmm. hacker as the default. When we see women, people of color maneuvering in this space, it does start to break apart that construct. Mm -hmm. And whenever you break apart an existing construct, there's challenges, right, that Absolutely. come along in terms of acceptance, appreciation, right, mm-hmm. acknowledgement that mm-hmm. there is a stereotype mm-hmm. and that that stereotype is not necessarily the best way to move forward in that space. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're on the show, you're changing the dialogue by putting your voice out there. It's just really inspirational to me as a woman, you know, a woman raising a daughter. Can you talk a little bit about women in tech? I know that you lead the East Coast chapter of Women in Tech. A really great initiative. There are quite a few, um, which is great, organizations around the world that are really focused on how do we create that pipeline of girls who become women who are facilitating change by moving into the technology sector and thriving there. There's two pieces to it. One is how do we get more women and girls engaged in STEM. The second piece is how do we get them to thrive and to stay in STEM Mm. and continue to rise up the ranks? And we have a problem with both of those. Mm. I think there's two different challenges that we have to address and that we address through organizations such as Women in Tech concerning we need to find a way to showcase technology as a viable and exciting option for girls, whether they're in elementary school, middle school, high school, college even. And then the second piece is moving those girls from a love and a passion, thinking of a career in STEM into actually being rewarded with a job in tech and then climbing the rank. 
there's a lot of data that shows that even when women do enter the tech sector and they've been a computer science major in college, move into a Fortune 500 tech company, the longevity isn't there Mm -hmm. and the career trajectory isn't there in terms of how long they stay at, let's say, an engineer one position versus, oh, I actually was able to move up to the VP of engineering, right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, when when compared to their male counterparts. Mm -hmm. I think the organizations such as Women in Tech were looking at all of the inputs that are creating this kind of systemic dynamic whereby either women don't enter the field or if they enter it, they exit very early. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to figure out like why is that and what are some of the ways that we can facilitate traction within you know technology whereby women are passionate about technology, want to be a part of the sector, but also are there mentoring and Mm -hmm. grooming other women to also fill positions, Mm -hmm. right? Like bringing everyone up along the ranks. Mm -hmm. It's a very complex challenge Mm -hmm. with a lot of moving pieces. And it does stem, unfortunately, from also a lot of bias and misogyny and things like that outside of just the technology sector. So what we see in the technology sector is just part and parcel of a lot of the challenges women face in any sector Mm -hmm. and even just maneuvering through the world as women. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think the technology sector is unique in that it has a problem in terms of women and keeping women invested and involved and again, thriving within the career. But I think there's a lot of repercussions because technology has infiltrated our lives so much, right? Right. Like whether it's at a state level, federal level, whether it's individual level, we all carry around these small computers, aka, you know, cell phones in our Mm -hmm. pockets. Technology is fundamentally changing the human experience. And so then the question becomes, well, who is building out the thing that is changing the human experience? And are they building something that adequately reflects all of us, right? right? And all of our needs Mm -hmm. and all of our desires and hopes for what these tools, aka technology, Mm -hmm. do. It's a very um, challenging situation, especially when we just look at what is the future of humanity in relation Mm -hmm. to whether it's cell phones, whether it's health, health technology, whether it is food technology. I mean, we have so many different areas of this. And when you have a percentage of the population that is not directly involved in creating those tools, that brings about a lot of questions and a lot of doubt about whether or not the technology is truly serving everyone. We have different skill set. Our voice adds a different flavor and I think our experience adds a different flavor to any sort of sector that we're working in. It's just a complex problem, like you mentioned, and there's really no easy answer, which also speaks to like sort of the courage that we all have to do to get into this conversation and to continue the conversation because it's easy to want to walk out of things that don't have an easy answer. It's just kind of like staying the course and it's a little bit of baby steps, which I'm sure that you and your, your peers and I also love that you mentioned the word mentoring. I want to come back to that because I think that that is a big piece in this. And that's maybe I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on like, is this also a way that we can get young girls involved to stay involved, keeping women from leaving the field? I think we have the sense if we can create the sense of community and culture around women in tech, perhaps this is a little bit of an answer to changing the dialogue. 
I think it's very interesting in regards to the mentorship piece because it is something that I recall very vividly struggling with early in my career, which is attempting to navigate this terrain of the technology sector of corporate America, of being someone who was relatively new in the field. I didn't necessarily have the right, I'll say, level of guidance, specifically in terms of someone who had previously navigated the terrain and had the insights and could give me some guidance about, you know, ways that I could maybe view things differently, the challenges that I had, maybe help me to understand the best method of brainstorming to be able to tackle those challenges. I recall feeling a deep desire to have someone to commiserate with as I went through this journey. One of the things that helped me is that there was a program within the company that I was in where they did have a mentorship program for young professionals. Mm -hmm. Taking the initiative to join that program helped me in so many ways. It allowed me to connect with someone, again, who had the expertise in the field, someone who had personal experiences with, if not the exact same challenges that I had, something that tangentially was related so that they could commiserate with me. It helped just having personal feedback loop, cultivating a sense of trust Mm -hmm. within that mentorship where I felt that it was someone who genuinely had my best interests from a career perspective at heart, Mm -hmm. someone just to listen. A lot of times I think we just don't have that. It's hard, again, as a woman, there may be different power dynamics and struggles that you come into contact with that may be different from your male peers and it's hard for them to understand right, what you're navigating through. So I think mentorship is very important to help you not only connect to your peers and your space, but to also connect to yourself mm-hmm. and to find out what really resonates with you and your career and how you can successfully remain true to yourself, even as you start to think through like, what do you want the future of your career to look like and what is your career trajectory? Mm -hmm. This has been a really amazing conversation. I would love to give you the opportunity. Is there anything else that you'd love to share with their listeners about Spotify, about women in tech, anything that we haven't talked about that you'd love to say? Yes, two things. I would definitely recommend for any women, girls who are interested in technology, look for groups such as, and there are so many of them, such as Women in Tech, that are focused on just introducing you to the concept of what it means to be a woman in STEM. I think fundamental to getting a better handle on what it means to actually be a technologist. Mm -hmm. And also it helps you to have an honest understanding of some of the hurdles that you might face Mm -hmm. as you move into the the sector or even just from an academic perspective, Uh moving into a computer science degree, engineering degree. Uh And then the second piece I would say is always Take the opportunities, even if they are not what you initially intended. I give my story as a great example. Mm -hmm. I had this intention, this vision of what I wanted my life post undergrad to be, but I was willing to pivot that when I realized there was something else that was speaking to my passions. That's really something that has helped me mm-hmm. in my career and in my life. It's like being true to myself, you mm-hmm. said, listening to my intuition and being proud of the things that spark mm-hmm. my passion and my excitement. 
forgot to mention, yeah. I did also recently write a book on robotic process automation. How can we find that? Is it on Amazon? So it's on Amazon and everywhere where books are sold. And it is called Robotic Process Automation, A Citizen Developer's Guide to UiPath Studio App. As of today, it is an Amazon best-selling new release. It's really my contribution, again, to helping others to understand these concepts and to make them less scary, less intimidating, sure. and to really put the power back into the hands of everyone that you can learn this. There is a learning curve, but don't be thwarted by the challenges of learning about technology. Mm -hmm. It's something that has a lot of nuances. It's complex, but you can learn it. Hopefully, there'll continue to be different guidebooks and things like that that will help everyone understand and make the technology more accessible. Sure. I think at the end of it, yeah. that's really the goal. We'll put a link to your book on Amazon in our show notes. People can check that out. Yeah, congratulations on that. That's amazing. How can people get a hold of you? So I am definitely on LinkedIn. You can find me at Sydney Madison Prescott. I am also on Twitter. My Twitter handle is Sydney in the city. And then you can also find me on Instagram. My handle there is Sydney and the city. Sydney, thank you again so much. I just can't wait to hear what's next for you. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of This Green Planet. To get further details about the topics discussed in this episode, please go to thisgreenplanetpodcast.com to review all show notes and links. If you love this episode, we would love it if you subscribed and left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. This helps more people just like you find our podcast. I look forward to having you join me next episode. Until then, stay safe and let's make this planet greener.